Hi, I'm Emily. I'm Jennifer. And this is All Things Terror, a weekly, more or less, podcast where we bring you scary stories from science, history, and true crime. Scary? Spooky? I feel like spooky is a better adjective for us. Spooky weird. Spooky weird. Spooky creepy. Spooky creepy. Yeah, the sort of darker side of those genres. Anyway, uh, I have done a thing every season, usually around the middle of the season, but this season it didn't happen. And so for our last episode, our Baker's Dozen, a bonus episode, I am going to give you the thing that I've always been giving you all along, tenderly, lovingly, gently, with consent, and that is stories of people who disappear I knew it. Yeah. Do you want to guess where what the theme is this time? Mm, not children. No, it's not children. Children was last time. Um. Let me think. So we did people who disappear on trails. Yeah, like out in the woods. Yeah, out in the woods. People, kids who have disappeared. Yep. Yep. People who disappear while traveling. No, although that's people a good who one. disappear while working out. You almost had it. I will say, just so you know, I have a whole, I have a podcast document where I like list ideas, and I have recently started one that's just about people who disappear themes. So I have a whole document about people who disappear. I this is just I will always people who disappear at work. <gasps> Shit, girl, yes. Okay, <laughs> I'm ready. I knew you would guess it. So I will say I wanted to do people disappeared at work. And I have a couple weird ones that are very good, but they're all from The Trail Went Cold, which is that podcast that I love, that I talk about so much. Um, and so people who disappear at work wasn't gelling. It wasn't working. I couldn't get it off the ground. And then as I kept like doing research and trying to find ones that would just like make the hair on the back of my neck stand up i realized that apparently there is a very specific kind of work that is the most dangerous of all that is always out to get you and that is what the theme of this episode is is people who disappear at work a very specific kind of work which is drilling no although that's a good one uh i think drilling just kills you being a teacher Oh, God. Too close to home. <laughs> this would be working at gas stations. Oh, God. That makes so much sense. I know. Think about it. Like, they're open 24 hours. You're often working alone. Like, anyone who is like me up very late or you up very early, you understand, like, there's something about that liminal time where it's nighttime but also daytime, like, between like two and four in the morning where everything just gets super weird. Like everything is silent and like the air smells different and the light is weird. And the people who are awake then it's just, it's, it's like you're on a different planet. So it makes sense that if you're working at a 24 hour gas station, which is full of snacks and weird souvenirs and all kinds of things during those hours, weird stuff would happen on a side note that is not quite as creepy maybe but it's funny and i had to preface this podcast with this story uh we went on a lot of road trips when i was a kid and in the west where like a road trip is like four to twelve hours and there's like two stops possible um so there's rest areas everywhere which is just like an exit on the highway and it's like usually just bathrooms and maybe some benches or vending machines and they're maintained i assume by the highway patrol but i don't really know um but my mom would never let us stop at rest stops like no matter how bad one of us had to pee and by one of us i mean me because i'm always the one who has to pee um, she would never let us stop and like i was very young probably like eight or younger and my mom gangster poo if you've listened to that episode <laughs> would tell us that we're not going to stop there because people would wait inside the bathrooms to slit the throats of little kids 
Like, this is... I mean, fair. This is why she would say, we're not going to stop at a rest stop because people will murder you there. Uh, And I was just like, Mom, no, and inappropriate to tell your child. Well, while writing this story, I was like, she should have been more afraid of gas stations. And I remembered this story, and I, I was like, I wonder if that really happened. And I Googled it. And to her credit... <laughs> In 1998, which in 1998, I would have been 12. Is that right? Yeah, I would have been 12. My sister would have been eight. My brother would have been six. So in 1998, there was a little boy in Sacramento, which was only a few hours away from where I grew up. Uh there was a little boy who went into the men's restroom at one of these rest areas and his aunt was waiting outside and she saw a guy come out, didn't think too much of it. And, but her nephew wasn't coming out. So she finally went in after a while and she found him dead and someone had slit his throat. And so that's why my mom always said that to us as kids. Yeah. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom. Yeah, so that's just, uh, you know, an extra little bonus before I get into three people who disappeared while working at gas stations. And I will say, I'm going to do the same thing I always do, which is give you a little bit of each one, and then we'll return to the epilogue. This time, right. the epilogue is going to be a little bit longer than the beginning, because... The beginning is so weirdly similar that I want to make this clear. Um, I also want to tell everybody really quick that um, I had a fourth case that I was going to include in this, which is that of Brad Perry from 1984. And this is a cold case files, um, but I ended up not including it, but I'll put it in the Facebook group. So if you're not part of our Facebook group, you should join it. It's um, All Things Terror Podcast. Um, and I'll put a link to this story, which I almost included, but I didn't. So instead of starting in 1984, we're going to start in 1990, February 3rd to be exact. Um, and I first heard about this case again on this podcast that I love and I talk about all the time. It's called The Trail Went Cold. The stories are all like people that disappear or unsolved cases. And they're so good. And they're so weird. And the host... It's just one guy, and he's so, like, kind and Canadian and pure, and <laughs> he has this perfect balance of being detail-oriented but not gruesome. I love it, and I also hate to say it, say this next part because he talks to us on Twitter all the time, and he's so nice, but I also listen to it to fall asleep, so, like, I'll be like, wow, I'm really into this story, but then, like, it's so calm, and he has this, like, chill background music that it, like, lulls me to sleep. Um, so anyway, big ups to The Trail Went Cold and Robin Warder. This is like me doing the fingers, kissing the fingers, Italian chef style. So good. <laughs> so anyway, this is the first place that I heard this story. And I remember hearing it on this podcast. And then as I like researched it, it just always, it just gets under your skin. So <clears throat> it's February 4th, middle of the night. Um, and we're following this woman named Deborah Poe. Um, but don't worry about her. Like, this is what I wrote. Like, I'm so used to living in the desert where even if it's like 100 degrees during the day, at night it's freezing. But don't worry, she's in Orlando. So it's like nice and warm all the time. She's 26. She's working two jobs. She's living her life. She's got plans to, like open a catering business. She's killing it. Um, and one of her jobs is working at this gas station. Her shift goes from 11 to 4 a.m., which I wrote that's not great, but it could be worse. But honestly, I don't think that could be worse. Like, those are pretty shitty, awful hours. Yeah. I guess the only nice thing about it is you have your evenings free, which is when most people are free, too. So you could go, like, have dinner with your friends or whatever. She also works a second job, um, which is uh, sales as far as I could tell, for the Orlando Sentinel, which is a newspaper. And uh, this is very sad and heartbreaking. Spoiler alert, Deborah Poe is who disappears. But the newspaper that she worked for ended up writing a story about her disappearance. 
I know it made me so sad. Um, so she grew up in Northern Virginia before she moved to Orlando in 1989. She took ballet lessons as a kid for 14 years. She thought about becoming a professional dancer, but like while she's a, like at this point in her life, she's just like a huge hustler. Like she has a brand new red Toyota car. She's planning to buy a home. She wants to open this business. Like she's sharing a duplex with someone like she is very, She's like, this is what I'm going to do. The end. So this is how, who she is. So on this particular night, um, around 11, she has some friends visit. Um, and her boyfriend visits at one, which is really nice of both her friends and her boyfriend to be like, oh, Deborah's working the night shift. Let's go check on her. Uh, her boyfriend in particular said that he was very worried about her working the night shift and working it alone. Um, the, I think it was a week or two before she disappeared she was working and this naked guy, naked guy shows up in the of gas course. station. Yeah. <laughs> so there's he, this naked guy shows up to the gas station and she's like, what the fuck dude? And he starts chasing her, uh, which, uh, what? right. So the story goes from funny to scary because in my mind, if someone is walking around naked, they're like, so out of their mind that they can't be goal oriented. But this guy is like, I'm going to get you. So, she runs out of the gas station and he follows her and then she's able to run back inside and lock him out and then call the cops. So this had happened recently. And so her boyfriend was like, I'm going to check on you, boo. Um, so <laughs> also classic Florida man story. Typical man shit. <laughs> I know dudes. Don't fucking chase people. Like, ever at, naked or with clothes at on. At any point, never do it. If you get a lot of joy out of, like, chasing and playing tag, get a dog. Dogs love that shit. But don't do that to people. So, her boyfriend visits at one, checks in on her. Things are great. She has a friend drive by at three. And the friend's like, yep, everything looks great. Um, at 3.05... Uh, she has some customers come in. She helps them out. Everything's fine. Um, between like 3.50 and 4 a.m., uh, she has friends come back and she's gone. Uh, that was quick. Yeah. Yeah. And these stories all have like very eerily similar things. And one of them is that someone will be here and then like the smallest amount of time that someone comes by and they're gone. And it's just bizarre. So the regular comes in around four. Um, and I will say also, this is another theme that almost makes me wish I could be a fly on the wall because all of these stories have regulars who are like, I came in every night or I came in every other night. I knew her. We talked. We were buds. Like very like cheers kind of situation, <laughs> except the middle of the night and in a gas station. Of right. So a regular comes in at four and is like, this is weird. Uh, she's not here. And the regular is the one who calls the police. Um, at four o'clock when this suspicious thing is going on, Deborah's smock is found behind the counter, but it's like folded and sent down neatly. There's also a chocolate milk and a cup of coffee behind the counter. Um... Deborah's car is parked in the parking lot. It's not fucked with at all. Her car keys, her paycheck, and her purse are all inside the car. Her purse is in the back seat. Uh, and her aunt said that, like, that was very unusual. Like, her aunt called her, uh, quote, like a little old lady and said that, like, she never went anywhere without her purse. Um, the register is locked. There's no evidence of robbery. It's like she had just walked away interesting yep so we're gonna leave deborah poe in orlando in 1990 we're gonna go into the future april 26 2013 uh we're gonna go north did i write this down minnesota i think it's minnesota um april 26 2013 um we're going to talk about another employee, Jessica Haringa. Um, 
so remember how I said, like, oh, Robin Warder of the Trail Went Cold. He's the best. Uh, so it was very hard to not make this whole episode him. I was, like, looking up different um, <laughs> people who disappear articles. And I found this one. And I was like, oh, this is great. This isn't a Trail Went Cold episode. And then I look at it. And it's, like, this article that's all about people who disappear from gas stations. Which is absolutely fucking terrifying, by the way. There's so many. And so, they're all creepy. Um, but it was written by Robin Warder. So I'm like, God damn it. Like <laughs> you really are the best. But anyway, so Jessica Haringen, we are Haringa, excuse me. We're in Northern Shores, Michigan. I think I said Minnesota, but it's Michigan. She's 25. She has a little baby boy who's three years old. Although I will say I did a lot of poking around in different articles for this one. And I, I only saw him being described as three years old one time, which was really weird. Um, like, everywhere said that she was a mother or she had a young son, but only one place said that her son was three years old. So make of that what you will. Uh, she's engaged to the baby daddy. She's... This is a weird thing to say, but she's got, like, a very excellent jaw. Uh, like, she looks like a person who would age really well. I don't know how creepy that sounds, but I just, like, you see her picture and you're like, good for you. Anyway. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't even know how else to describe that, otherwise she's got a great job. Um, so, on the night of April 26th, she's working the late shift alone, also like Deborah Poe. Um, she... Weirdly, it sounds like uh, her shift would end around 11, which was kind of nice. Um, on this particular night at 1055, uh, we get the last transaction, which is recorded. Um, and this transaction, she sold a lighter to a woman. And this would have been right before she closed up or ended her shift. It's a little unclear to me if like the whole gas station shut down or if she just clocked out. It kind of sounds like the whole gas station shut down. Uh, which kind of makes sense. Like, it's 2013, so now it's a little bit more common to have, like, those automatic where you can pull up and fill up automatically even if there's nobody working, right? Yeah. So I think it's one of those situations. So at 11, um, I've seen this described as both the owners of the gas station or a manager. Um, for some reason, and it's hilarious and I love it, um, this woman and her husband drove by on motorcycles. <laughs> like, they're just out for a mo late night motorcycle ride and i'm like let's there's so many interesting details it's like last purchase is a lighter yeah a couple people drove by with motorcycles yeah yeah and if you remind me of that comment later at the end i'll tell you why i think that is pardon me i just belched anyway so the owner slash manager i'm not sure i saw both um they're doing the har har motorcycle and they drive by and they see a silver van and a man opening and closing its back doors. And uh, weird. Yeah. And depending on when the article was written, it sounds like they thought it was sus. Some thought it wasn't. I think it's one of those details that you see that and you don't think it's weird until retrospect because they didn't stop to check on her. But once they realized that Jessica was missing. They reported this to the police immediately. So that happens at 11. At 11.07, a man shows up to pump gas and he's like, the fuck? There's nobody here. So he calls the cops right away, which is amazing. Like, I don't know if I would do that. I feel like if I showed up and to like a gas station and walked in and there wasn't there, I would be like, Dude, are they just having diarrhea or something? Um, <laughs> but he was just like, someone should be here. I'm calling the cops. So right. the police show up. They start publicizing her disappearance. Um, and as they do that, an employee at the place next to the gas station. So this gas station isn't isolated. It's in like a strip of businesses. Um, he comes forward. His name is Christian Van Antwerpen. Which, that's quite a name it would be an excellent made-up name like uh <laughs> if if you needed to make up a name on the spot at a bar and you're like shaking hands with a creeper and you're like oh christian van amtwerpen but no that's a real name um he said that he saw a man in a silver minivan get out and be like what up girl while jessica was closing down the pump 
Um, uh, okay. And it's it's not entirely clear if this happened the night that she disappeared or another one, but it seems like the night that she disappeared. Um, and this is a quote from Christian Van Antwerpen. Uh, quote, he was just like, hey, what are you doing over here? Aren't you supposed to be inside? Just kind of being real flirty weird about it, he said. It was just bizarre that he seemed to be actively looking for her. Like he knew her and then had this attitude that he wanted to have a conversation with her and then conduct business. And that is what seemed really out of place to me. Right. Which, if you've ever worked retail or any sort of service industry job, you know that there are creepy people who are just like, Hey girl, I was here last Thursday and you were also here. So that means we have this deep spiritual connection. What's up? Are you married? And you're just like, please no. Like, don't do this. Like, I have to be polite to you because it's my job, but don't be weird. We have so much in common. Like, I breathe air and you breathe air and like, you work here and I come and I come here and then like, I'm pretty sure that you eat food. So like, obviously we're soulmates. And you are a young, vulnerable woman who's hustling to make her dreams come true and I am an old, gross man with a belly paunch and a bad smell, but we're obviously soulmates. And by soulmates, I mean, can I see your boobs? That's what's happening inside your brain. Yeah. Yes. Fuck those guys. Anyway, so Jessica's belongings, again, keys, purse, cigarettes are all there, which if you're a smoker, smokers don't go anywhere without their cigarettes. So like, you know a lighter maybe a lighter maybe, maybe yeah definitely but not. no and like even your keys in your purse you could leave behind but you grab your cigarettes so um there's no sign of struggle or robbery just like uh with deborah poe all the money is in the cash register but there's also 400 dollars cash in jessica's own wallet that's there um unlike uh deborah poe's case there's a spot of blood and it is identified to be jessica's um i also only saw this a couple times so i feel like this is something that might have come out later like not at the time they also find quote parts for a gun that's sort of found stashed somewhere around the gas station uh what do they mean parts for a gun like it's been disassembled i don't or there's just like a barrel or I don't know. I Interesting. Okay. They talk about, there are some articles that talk about, and I didn't write this down, like a, a specific type of gun. And then they're like, these parts match this specific type of gun. So I don't know if they mean like they took the gun apart or if it's like the bullets or casings or if it's like. Uh, it could be anything. Yeah, or like I, uh, I'm trying to think of the name for what the part that pops out that you put the bullets in, or the chamber. Yeah, I don't know what part it is, but it's something like that. Um, but other than that, there isn't that much information. I guess it could be a cartridge or a chamber, depending. Yeah, it. I feel like it's got to be a clip. Yeah, a clip. I feel like it's got to be something like that. I wish I had written down what type of gun it was, but like whatever type they said, it didn't immediately illuminate to me what the part would be. So I was just like, ah, fuck, I don't give a shit. Um, I I'm just fixating on details. So it's we can ignore me. Well, whenever they have these like creepy disappearances, like I don't blame you for doing that because it's like weird and creepy. Like your mind immediately goes to like, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Yeah. Well, and you know, uh, human brain is, I feel like always like wired to try to figure out a mystery. Like it doesn't like, things being left undone exactly we're gonna leave jessica haringa in 2013 uh in michigan we're gonna to another place in the midwest elmhurst illinois outside of chicago september 22nd 2015 this is a tuesday at 5 a.m we're in elmhurst this is outside chicago and my friend natalie hey what up girl uh, lived in Downers Grove for years, and so I used to visit her, and suburbs in the Midwest, especially around Chicago, are adorable. Like, they're all little old houses, and everything has an old, tiny little square. Like, it, 
is so cute. It's like a tiny village. And then you get on a train where you can drink. There are car like you can drink on the train and there are also quiet cars. So like whatever oh, I know. you want, you ride that train into the city. It's glorious. I I've I've drank on the train to Chicago quite a few times. It's the best. I um I was telling you earlier I went to New York recently and I love New York. I lived there for a summer. Like every time I'm there, it's just amazing. Like it's so chaotic. There's so much going on. Like just walking around is really exciting. And I my boyfriend who's an introvert is like, this is overwhelming. And I'm like, this is not overwhelming for me. Like when I am in New York City, it is the one time where I feel like the outside world matches the inside of my brain. <laughs> like <laughs> like someone's peeing on the street, someone else is screaming, there's like world class art, there's lots of food, everything's like mishmash together. And I'm like, this makes sense. Um <laughs> But Chicago is second place to New York. Well, no, it's third. This is Chicago, Mexico City. Or New York, Mexico City, Chicago. But I love Chicago. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's so cool. Well, that's something we share. Yeah. Uh, you know, I lived in that general area for a while, but uh, I would visit Chicago a lot more than I do now. But, like, every time I go there, I always find something interesting or exciting to do and I used to spend a lot of weekends in, in New York City, and New York City's fun and everything, but Chicago's a little more my speed. Chicago, I described it as, like, both Chicago and New York will have, like, world-class restaurants, world-class art museums, like, whatever you want, you can get quality in both of those places, but Chicago is built on a human scale. Like, everywhere you go, you feel like you're in a neighborhood. And, like, everywhere you go in New yeah. York, you're in, like, canyons of buildings. Uh, the scale of New York is so much bigger than Chicago. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> all, all... <laughs> now it's the uh, uh, city talk. E Emily and Jennifer reflect on American Metropolis's <laughs> hour. <laughs> So we're in Elmhurst. We're outside Chicago. Um, it's 5 a.m. It's 24-hour gas station. Um, this one is very recent, 2015, so I don't have quite as much details. But uh, some customers go in, and they're like, hello, hello, can I get some service? And no, they cannot get some service because there is nobody there. Uh, so the woman who should have been there is named Simone Boyd. She's only 21. She's a little baby. She's also, like, five feet, which makes her shorter than even our short asses. Uh, and like our other characters, she was working alone. A truck driver said that he got coffee from a female attendant at 4.30. But by 5 o'clock, regulars are there, and they're like, Simone is not here. What's going on? And I will say, one of the regulars who was interviewed is this woman who said she stops by every day to get her Red Bull and candy on her way to work. And my reaction was, fuck, your job is terrible if you be needing Red Bull and candy <laughs> for breakfast every day. Like, that, that, that is like, that is like, fuck it, <laughs> I have to go in. <laughs> like, guns blazing, and I'm probably wearing a cape, and somewhere at some point, someone is going to throw up on me oh most likely a lizard this is definitely one of those situations where it's like this might kill me sooner good <laughs> <laughs> right like if i have had those jobs like i have had those desk jobs where you're just like the only thing that is keeping me sane is that at two o'clock i'm going to eat an entire candy bar at my desk like <laughs> Your your boss is terrible. Your job is pointless. There's probably some kind of shell game with money happening. It's just there's just nothing good about what's happening except that it's giving you money to feed yourself. I feel like that might be what's happening. Um, so my heart goes out to you, awesome regular customer. I'm sorry your job is bad. I really hope your employer stops being a dickhole so you don't have to eat Red Bull and candy every day for breakfast. Then again, did I, it, I don't think I'm above eating Red Bull and candy for breakfast. Did it start to sound good right then? Because after I said yeah. that, I was kind of like, eh, I don't 
don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, I get I get tired of breakfast, like, my normal stuff. Like, I'll make an egg or oatmeal or I'll grab a breakfast taco. And, like, there are days where I'm just like, none of this appeals to me. And now, now I feel inspired. Like, maybe I will do the uh, Red Bull and candy one morning. I, it's, we're recording this in January. And I had the, like, very... American Christmas. I went home to my mom's house for two weeks, saw lots of relatives, all kinds of friends. Um, but my mom eats a lot of candy. Gangster Poo loves her some chocolate. Um, and, you know, before that, I had Christmas parties and stuff, and I was just eating so much sugar. I normally don't eat a lot of sugar. Um, I could not handle it. Like I was like a toddler, like someone at one point, I don't even remember what the situation was. Someone was like, Oh, do you want X, Y, Z? And I was like, no, I can't eat that. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because I've been eating so much sugar and then I get this like weird brush and then I crash and I feel like I'm dying and then I just eat more candy. And so I just got in this, like became a child goblin situation. Uh, <laughs> it was very odd. Uh, but so Candy and Red Bull sounds like I would go out and fight a police force or something. I'm going to I'm going to try it. I'll report back. Please do. So anyway, um by 5 they're calling the police. They're like this is weird. Um police are there and they're like, "Oh, this isn't great. This is bad. This is like a crime scene. Get out of here. We got to rip this off and do our stuff." Um, by 8 a.m., news cameras show up and police are still dusting for prints. Um, but by then, you know what else they've done? They've reviewed the security tape. Uh, and what did they see, Jennifer? Nothing. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, they reviewed the tape and saw, quote, a man between 18 to 28 years old with a medium build entered the store and jumped over the counter, taking an unknown amount of money. The suspect and the employee were seen leaving the building shortly after. Of course. Yes. Now. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> typical dude behavior. Stealing money, stealing clerks. That feel like, I feel like that's a... Like a terrible anthem somewhere. Stealing money and stealing clerks. <laughs> like it would have been like a Notorious B.I.G. rap or something. No, but it no, it'd be like, you know, it would be the album of someone's like attempt to make it in music, so they're like recording this in 2000. Trying they're recording this album. Trying to be all edgy. Trying to be edgy and of course they're like appropriating any sort of um anything that they can't appropriate to make it seem like you know, more uh, risky and dangerous, and they're like probably thirteen years old, <laughs> and their parents have an SUV, a minivan, and then the baby that the dad drives on the weekends. His dad's a lawyer. His mom is uh, well, she was. Now his mom was like. I don't know, probably like um, in real estate or she was um, an office administrator, but then she decided to become a full-time mom after her husband became partner. And now she just like does like, you know, volunteers for soccer and Girl Scouts. And like she is in charge of the PTA because she's that A-type personality. She just like dominates and like everybody loves her fucking cookies at the bake sale. So that's a, that's the person that made that that album, the, uh, the uh, Stealing Money and Stealing Clerks album. Accurate. I was going to chime in and then I was like, she is weaving a beautiful tapestry and does not need any assistance <laughs> <laughs> oh and you know what he probably has a skateboard oh he definitely has a skateboard yeah so there you go and it's like you know what it is it's gonna be like it's gonna be uh like a, it's like a a rap metal album mm -hmm. well and then it's also gonna be something that his daddy is gonna have to use lots of money to erase from the internet when he runs for political office in his mid-20s 
Oh, no, no, no. He ended up going to, like, um, Princeton, and he's totally normal now. He's, like, a pediatrician. Hmm. Well, I was thinking he would still kind of maintain this douchebaggery, but it would just train, like, change for him. Like, he might become, like, a Wall Street bro, or, like, a really douchey lawyer who just does things for money. Uh, okay. It could go either way, but it- I, It's got a 50-50 I, I would, shot, really. Yeah. Yeah. I really want him to be a pediatrician. You though. want him like that's that's what I want in my heart. You want a spiritual glow up for him, is what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I I want him to be a pediatrician, but that skateboard that was so important when he was 13 years old, he still has that in his garage. So, like, is he like a Beto O'Rourke kind of politician, or is he like like a wistful like like literature bro protagonist who's like middle-aged who stares longingly at his skateboard and longs for better days i don't know i guess i guess um i guess he'd probably have to be a nostalgic man yeah so anyway if anyone wants a novel idea there you go all right sorry we are really digressing listen if you've listened you know that this is what we do so i'm not sorry So let's go back. So Simone Boyd, I told you what was on that security footage. Let's go back to 1990 with Deborah Poe. Remember how I said it was like she just vanished? Well, yes. Let's see what happens. So remember how I said, so a friend of Poe's drives by at three, sees her behind the counter. Everything's chill. She helped a customer shortly after that. And then the next encounter, someone shows up at four, gone. Right. So as they're investigating, police find out that a woman came in between that time, like around 3.15, 3.30. And she needed to buy, as gangster poo slash my mother would call it, a pack of smokes, quote unquote. <laughs> uh, which is just such an old timey way to say cigarettes that I had to put that in there. Also, my mom is full <laughs> of weird little sayings. So I've gotten how to be like, as my mother would say, I'm sweating like a whore in church. <laughs> <laughs> So, as Gangster Pooh would say, a pack of smokes. So, but at 3.15, 3.30, when Deborah should have been there, Deborah was not behind the counter. Instead, behind the counter was a man with long hair wearing a black, shocking, black Megadeth t-shirt. He was just standing there, and the woman asked for cigarettes, and she has to, like, help him find the ones that she wants, which clearly should tell you, like... Again, if you've ever been a cigarette smoker, you walk in and you're like, give me them Marlboro, like, Mandalorian oh, Baby Yodas. You know. And they grab you know it they without the even turning around. And they're like, 817, boy. And then, you you know, like, they know. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, apologies that I just said Baby Yodas were a kind of cigarettes. Um, but anyway, so... She, but now I can't stop thinking about it. Now you can't stop thinking about it. But so she has to be like, no, this, whatever. Um, and this is also in 1990. Everybody smoked in 1990. So there's even less, like... And it's not like there's, like, four different colors of American spirits that don't have names. And you have to be, like, the blue one. No, the light blue one. No, the other light blue one. Like, it's not like that. Uh, yeah. Everybody's smoking. They're all, like, you know camel rocket ships or whatever so the woman asks for a cigarette she has to help him find them he tells her you shouldn't smoke you know and then and i'm quoting the charlie project here and i want to be really clear about quoting the charlie project you quote use the cash register and may change when the customer made her purchase this man has never come forward and never been identified they have no idea if he's even a suspect or if he's just like a customer goofing or what. Interesting. Yeah. There have been like a lot of uh efforts on behalf of like the cops and the media to be like, if you know who this person is, like please, we just want to hear him talk. Um, but it's never nothing has ever happened. So this is crazy because like I so I I have watched a couple of, you know, true crime television shows where, you know, there's, like, suspicious characters working in the gas station, and they always end up being the people that kill somebody. You know what's weird, though? I, like, the more that I read it, 
I read articles about this. I like there doesn't seem to be a vibe. Like I don't think people think he's a suspect. I think they just think he like walked in and the store was empty and he just like weirdly did this. Well, I guess that's also believable, but I'm not really somebody who prefers to work for free or like thinks that running a cash register is like a fun activity. So I will say one of the things that I looked at when I was looking at this was a Reddit and the Reddit on this one is really good and really interesting. There's a really long, there's a lot of really good discussion about this guy who is called the Megadeth guy. And I'm just going to read this bit this post because i really like it and it's citing a 1996 update from the orlando sentinel and this is the quote from the uh, orlando sentinel quote a white male in his 20s with long hair was seen behind the store's counter after poe's disappearance he was initially considered suspect but investigators now think he was a witness and a boyfriend of another clerk at the store they would like to talk. Oh, okay. Yeah, they would like to talk to him, but don't know where he is. He was wearing a black Megadeth T-shirt and was driving a black van with a Megadeth band mural airbrushed on the side. Okay, so how do you not find that guy? <laughs> like, are there just a plethora of hardcore Megadeth fans in Florida? I mean, then again, it was the '90s, so uh, maybe. So here's the Reddit post that's about that little bit. It says. Isn't it possible that the cigarette lady just got her dates mixed up? Deborah Poe's boyfriend said that he would help her out at the store on certain nights because it made him feel better being there with her. So what if Megadeth was doing the same thing with his girlfriend, but cigarette lady got the dates wrong? Maybe Megadeth was there working the counter while his girlfriend was in the bathroom or in the back. It would explain why he casually rang the woman up for cigarettes and why he didn't know exactly why they were located. That's fair. Yeah, and, like, one of the things that I really like about that Reddit post that they talk about is, like, oh, I've worked retail, and, like, you cannot just walk in somewhere and use their cash register. And that's true. Nope. Like, even now, even with iPads, which are super intuitive, you still are not going to be able to just walk into a store and use some POS or, like, front of operation machine without figuring out their particulars so well this on top of that sorry i was just gonna say this can't be a totally random guy if he was able to use the register and the reason why i quoted the charlie project and said that he used the crash register and made change is because there are articles that just say he's behind the counter and people are like well if he just took cash he didn't use the cash register so maybe he was just there but if he used the cash register, he had to have some familiarity with it. Like, you cannot use a cash register that you've never used before. Yeah, and the one thing I'll add to that is, uh, if you are using a register, uh, your till belongs to you. Mm-hmm. And the till is the insert. So, um, there's going to be a code that you have to punch in, and that's how they they track money. So, um, in in larger companies so like grocery stores and stuff like if people think they're gonna skim off the top of the register they can't do that because they know dollar for dollar how much money is supposed to be in there once you punch in your code that's a good point i've i worked retail with one of those old machines and like if someone walks up and is like i want to buy this bag of green onions right you have to enter your code before you can scan anything and because that will then show who did what transaction. So if there's ever any question about money going missing, they can say, oh, well, it went missing in this one thing or whatever. And so this this 1990, it probably would have been one of those old ones where you had to physically key in your code before you could unlock the mechanism. Or yep. there are even older ones had keys, right? Physical keys that you had to literally key in. So... I only say this because the Megadeth thing is super fucking creepy, but then when you think about it in this detailed way of like, well, he had to be, like, this Reddit post that I love seems the most likely, then it becomes, well, he's not creepy, but then Deborah Poe's disappearance is even more creepy. Yeah. And I will say Deborah Poe's gas station did have video surveillance and so you can see this guy standing behind it but it didn't have video surveillance of everything 
So here's another bit of information that was gathered up during the investigation. Um, they used, I clearly forgot what the name of this was while I was writing. I called smell dogs. <laughs> awesome. You know, smell dogs. Uh, <laughs> so they used smell dogs um, and they, the smell dogs found a trail from the back of the store that's like through a little field and then a fence and then it stops abruptly at a road. And everything I read said that it's because she got into a car. So the idea is that she was somehow dragged or forced to go or went with someone who like led her this way under or through a fence and then into a car. But remember, her smock was neatly folded behind the counter. Hmm. So, 2002, 12 years after her disappearance, uh, police announced that they had a suspect who was somehow affiliated with this Baptist church and some land around it that was searched very thoroughly, but nothing has come of it, and police have sort of been like, well, we're not going to disclose why, but basically this was a dead end, don't worry about it. Um, this church was is, interestingly, coincidentally, question mark, across the street from where her boyfriend at the time lived in 1990, but he's, like, never been considered a suspect at any point in time, which is really interesting. Like, he took a lie detector. I'm assuming he must have had some sort of really airtight alibi, but there's there's no whisper of suspicion that he was involved, which is very interesting to me because normally there's always that possibility. Yeah, they always think it's the boyfriend. Yeah, but it, it just really isn't. Um... Poe's father and older brother have died in the years since her disappearance. Her mother is still alive. However, her case remains unsolved to this day. Hmm. There is one other tidbit, which is interesting, and then I'll give you my two cents on it. The tidbit is that it was possibly a serial killer. So, six months before Deborah Poe's disappearance, which would be August 6, 1989, a woman named Donna Callahan disappeared from her clerking job. And these are all in the, in the same sort of area in Florida. Um, five weeks after Deborah Poe disappeared, which would be September 18th, 1990, uh, Darlene Messer also disappeared, and that was from Lake City, Florida. And again, I didn't look it up on a map, but these are all fairly close together. Um, and she was actually, her body was later found murdered. Um, and so there are some police who have said that we suspect that all three of these women were abducted and murdered by the same person. Hmm. But other than that, the naked guy, the Megadeth guy, never been identified. Um, and Deborah Poe has never, there's never been any reoccurrence of her. My particular theory that I keep coming back to, which reminds me of Diatla Pass, is the folded smock. Like, her smock was folded and there were drinks behind the counter, which is so weird. Like, that's not a sign of panic. So, my idea... Or rush or anything. Right. Yeah. My idea is that it ha I feel like it had to be someone she knew, maybe even lightly, and they were like, hey, do you want to take a break or, like, hang out with me while I smoke or something? And so, for whatever reason she's like yeah let me take off this smock and we'll have these drinks when we get back or something like that and then they get to a place where they're out of camera range and whoever is like here's a switchblade get in the car girly or something like feels very much like that like she left voluntarily and then the situation turned or maybe she planned it Maybe. I mean, but the thing when they say, like, there's no sign that turns up, like, they track with missing people. They'll track, like, your social security or your, like, um, yeah, like, even just the social security. You would have to have that to open a credit card or a bank or get a house or a job. So unless you go totally off the grid and don't do any of that anymore, like, you would could be considered disappeared because like if i wanted to disappear okay that's great but then i just move to another town and say call me jane smith i would have to have a fake social security number to like get money and whatever or like yeah like they track like did you pull money out of your account or whatever and, and none of that ever happens so 
she hasn't shown up as being in a job or getting taxes or accessing her bank accounts that already existed or whatever. So I don't know. I kind of think she's dead. <laughs> I mean, it's so like, it's so uh, depressed the way like I just was like, well, she's dead. <laughs> I mean, it's it's likely, you know. And how old was she? Uh, I want to say I know Jessica Haringa was like twenty five. Deborah Poe is. She was twenty six. Yeah, super young. Yeah, little baby. So, anyway, that's the first one. Are you ready for the conclusion of the second one? Yes. Okay, good. So, Jessica Haringa, she's 25, she's got a little BB, they find one drop of blood, but not much else. Well, one of the reasons why they didn't find much else is because that gas station didn't have security cameras at all. Like... This is someone working until 11 by themselves, and it is in 2013, and there are no security cameras, uh, which is terrible. So, three years after Jessica Haringa disappears, and I will say, um, this feels like one of those very, like, oh, everyone in town felt so safe and didn't lock their doors because when I was doing research for this... I found news articles that were like, it's been one year since Jessica Haringa's disappearance. It's been two years. It's been three years. It's been five years. Like, it really feels like every year the news was like remembering this, um, which was really heartbreaking to see. Um, but anyway, so three years after she disappears in 2016, things start to kind of heat up. Like, they've been cold. You know, we have the blood. We have the gum parts. What's going on? So... Mm -hmm. Police start investigating this dude named Jeffrey Willis, and Willis possibly went to the gas station where Haringa worked a lot. Maybe, again, because it's a more recent one, there's a little more, like, discrepancies and whatever. So police have a warrant based on an anonymous tip to search this property that he has um, that is, like, woods and a little cabin or something. So they get a um, search warrant because this anonymous tip says that we saw him coming out of the woods ah, with a shovel. Right. Which is not great. So they don't find her body, um, but they do find on his computer um, a file that is labeled VIX, like short for victims. And in that folder is another folder with Jessica Haringa's name. Great. There are things inside of that I do not know what has been found inside of that. Like, I did a little sleuthing. There are reasons why I think I could find out, but I do not want to find out. Uh, suffice to say, it's probably not great. Um, they also find creepy porn. And I'm going to say, like, I don't want to shame people, but the porn that they find is, like, child porn and murder porn and not simulated. So, like, Porn that is basically never not creepy. Like those, Great. those two are sort of always creepy. All signs are pointing to frowny face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is a real sad face cat emoji. Like the cat that's like the white eyes. Oh no, that yeah. Uh, Willis also owns a silver van, like the one that witnesses saw at the gas station the night that. Jessica Haringa disappears. Um, the gas station itself, like I said, does not have surveillance cameras, but other neighboring businesses did, and they can corroborate those eyewitness accounts of a silver van like driving to and from the gas station around this time. So again, this is three years later. A regular at the gas station stops forward. This regular is Brenda Nestor. And again, if we need a moment to warm our hearts to find a a hero or a happy spot. I feel like it might be the regulars at 24 hour late night gas stations because this is just something that makes me happy. Anyway. So Brenda Nestor is like, 
I have the story, and she didn't report it right away, uh, but it feels like one of those things that, like, at the time, you're like, that's a little weird, but in hindsight, you're like, oh my god, that was really weird. So her story is, the night before Jessica disappeared, she was there, like she normally is, and her and Jessica were buds, and they're chatting, and Brenda Nestor says to her, um, and I picture Brenda Nestor as sort of like this older, middle-aged woman who's kind of smoking and has that scary voice like a favorite aunt. Uh, and Jessica is this like cute blonde 25 year old with one of those jawlines that will never age. Um, and Brenda says, which she did, she says, um, you really shouldn't be working on your own doll. And, um, (laughs) there's a dude hanging around being creepy. And Brenda says, this is Jeffrey Willis who says she has customers looking out for her too. Quote. And Brenda says, and I'm quoting from testimony here, so this is Brenda under oath, and I'll use the voice because I think you and I both find it delightful and it brings a moment of levity. Uh, So Brenda says that Jessica, quote, sort of shook her head and started shivering like a chill went up a spine or something. Uh, Brenda said that her Ringo wasn't her usual happy self, and Nestor, uh, well, Brenda, felt quote something was wrong so sweet baby (laughs) sweet baby brenda parked outside the station until it closed i know and she said that she saw willis leave that night so this is the night before jessica disappears this is this happens right um jeffrey willis uh his cousin kevin laverne bloom laverne is a very weird middle name for a dude so i'm just emphasizing that a small amount um he comes into the story and is like okay look i don't know my cousin really i haven't seen him in years and this is the chronology that i am reporting it to you i don't know why it's reported this way uh but i there must be some reason this is just the chronological order of things so he's like, I don't know my cousin. I haven't seen him with year, like in years. And then he gets charged with lying to the police. And then he's like, oh, okay, my bad, my bad. Um, I did see Willis, and he had Jessica's body, and it looked very murdered and very sexual assaulted. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing where it starts getting weird and breaky a party. Um... Kevin Bloom's testimony is sort of never taken as legit. And I don't know if it's because of his first, like, conviction of lying to the police or if he changes his stories a lot after that or if it's just because it's a very recent case. But there's always a little bit of, like, skepticism in the articles that I read about this. Um, And remember the bit about Willis coming out of the woods with a shovel? Well, another neighbor was like, well, I don't think that that was a legit tip. However, Hmm. yeah, so there's this really weird thing of like, ooh, maybe he didn't murder her, but he's also a really creepy dude. So don't feel bad for Jeffrey Willis. Um, In 2017, he was convicted of murdering another woman, Rebecca Bletch. Um, Her body was found, and I didn't look too much into that, but it sounds pretty like, yeah, he killed her. Um, He did have in that VIX folder, he had another folder with her name, and there's like some part that was encoded, and that was her murder date. Um, And there were pictures of her in that. Um, So there's this implication that like, well, he had a Jessica folder and a Rebecca folder, and Rebecca was found murdered, and it like her folder had these photos in it. And Jessica, we have never found her body, but presumably there are creepy photos in there too. So there's sort of this connect the dots implication. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also has been convicted of other really creepy crimes like kidnapping and sexual assault. So he's a shit dude all around. Like, let's not feel bad for him. Uh, six months later, in May 2018, Willis has, was charged with Haringa's murder. Um, Bloom, his cousin, is charged with accessory after the fact, um, and he, they were both convicted. 
uh, Willis is still in jail, as far as I can tell, for both these murders. Um, but Jessica Haringa's body, jewelry, DNA, nothing has ever been found. Uh, That's... Go ahead. I was going to say, it. They all of these end with bodies aren't found. It's so creepy, yeah. Um, the other thing that's really sad and I think adds this another layer to this, um, her family doesn't really think that he did it. Before the trial, they said that they didn't even know if they were going to go to it because they didn't think there was enough proof. Um, and on October of 2019, there's a Facebook page called Find Jessica Haringa. And here's part of a post. I'll just read it to you. Um, quote, her case has been closed because Willis was charged and charged with no actual proof that Willis ever had my sis my sister. You say what about Bloom's statements? Those were lies. He lied about seeing Jess anywhere with Willis, meaning Willis never had my sister. No DNA, clothes, jewelry, pictures, shoes, glasses, videos, nothing of Jess was found on or near Willis or his belongings. How can that be if he murdered her? He has DNA of other women all over his van, child porn on his computer, hidden cameras in his own home, lots of proof of stalking women, and yet absolutely nothing to my sister could be found among all of his collections. But yet, we are crazy to think Willis didn't murder Jess or even have her. Open her case to fresh eyes, people outside Northern Shores. That's interesting, because you don't usually... You don't always see the family speaking against a conviction. Yeah. And... Like, I look through the Facebook page a lot, and I think it's really clear that for them, and there's this quote from, I think, her mother in an article that was like, for us, closure means two things, a conviction and a body. And it just feels like so much trauma and pain, and like, it feels like it will never be over for them until they have Jessica's body, and as far as I can tell, Willis has never admitted or said anything, um... Yeah. But, like, I apparently there. So, when I was doing this research, apparently there's a Jensen and Holes episode, which I listened to that podcast where they talk about Jeffrey Willis, but I do not remember it at all. Um, <laughs> but I think Jeffrey Willis is a super creepy dude, and it's possible that he's killed all the people he's been charged with killing and maybe even more. Um, but whether or not he killed Jeff Jessica Haringa is hard to say. Like, there is maybe some missing proof. I I don't know. It's one of those ones where I'm like, I could really see that going either way, that he killed her or he didn't. Um, but it, either yeah. way, it's really sad that I really feel for the family being like, no, we absolutely believe he didn't do it. And they were like, well, case closed. So there is one other legacy of this case which is called jessica's law and it's very sad there are so many laws that are named after women who have been like murdered or disappeared and then their parents usually or their relatives like fight to change the law like katie's law in new mexico or uh Bree's yeah. law or megan's law or what like there's so many but anyway so jessica's law um, which was her parents fought for and passed. Um, it requires gas stations and convenience stores that are open between the hours of 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. to install and maintain security systems or have at least two employees on shift, which is very important. Uh, I feel like a lot of these stories would not be told if there were two people working. <laughs> and that is all the information about Jessica Haringa that I could find. That's sad. It is really sad. It's it's a very sad one. Um, and now the epilogue uh, for Simone Boyd, 2015. The very frightening uh, camera footage of a man jumping over the counter, taking money, and walking out with her. Um, later, both Simone Boyd and the man, whose name I did not get, um, were captured in Cook County, which is basically Chicago, like not too far away. Um, yep. The stolen money was recovered, and uh, both of them were charged with felony theft because dude was her boyfriend and she was in on it. 
They're they weren't they're not very good criminals. No, huh? but I will say I've been a teenager. I've worked a shitty job that I somehow felt trapped and chained to, and like I just remember being like, I wish someone would call in a bomb threat or like one of my friends would come kidnap me. Uh, and I never did that, but Simone Boyd, she did, and she made the dream come. She true. made the dream come true. Uh, and. I wanted to end on that one because, frankly, I find it a little funny and delightful. And, I mean, probably <laughs> you shouldn't waste all of that resources and times of all the people involved. But it's also a much happier ending than um, my the other my two. normal disappearance cases. So, yeah, big ups to Simone Boyd. <laughs> and that is season three's disappeared peoples clap 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 yeah uh deborah poe and jessica haringa man you could still find a tip and tell the right authorities and and solve solve a, a mystery well on that very sad and quiet note goodbye forever Goodbye forever. All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is... Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever. Before we get into gym talk, I want to make our Critter Conversations podcast where we just get excited about animals. <laughs> Here's my favorite animal for today. Yeah, uh, I will say the longer I'm alive, the more I'm like, do you know about animals? They're awesome. Let's learn animal facts. Like, it's just <laughs> it's the best. I never regret learning about animals. So that felt like a pour one out for Clint silence. Pour one out for Clint. Hi. 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 Damn it, Emily. Damn it. Okay. Damn it. Okay. Try again. Try again. Try again. Redo. I thought you were going. Nope. I'm just, I'm going to shut up now. You go.